One, two, two. Uh, three, four, whatever. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? Episode 21 of Season 5, and welcome to Lug Radio. Yep, the show's now old enough to buy beer in America and buy cigarettes here. <laughs> I keep seeing signs saying why, why Challenge <laughs> 21. Oh. Why, why the show would want to buy cigarettes. Because they're oh. fucking lovely. Right. So, uh, <laughs> we've got no other Welcome, welcome to your emphysema. What have we got on the show? <laughs> well, welcome to the Stuart Language Laughter Show. And on today's show, we've got... So we're going to talk about uh, things we'd like to see fixed in the open source world. Yep, um, we're going to talk about Firefox and the Mozilla Corporation and the direction they're going in. We discuss whether uh, uh, a new startup company stands a chance against the big boys. And we've got a big announcement that I think everybody is going to be uh, interested in. Ooh, exciting, exciting big it's announcement. It's, it's, it's very big right. and it's very announcementy. Yeah, and don't fast forward. Listen to the rest of the show <laughs> first, all right? <laughs> Who okay. are we? <laughs> so, my name's John O'Bacon. I'm Chris Proctor. I'm Adam Sweet. And I'm Stuart Langridge. <laughs> Okay, Adam believes he's got too much money, as I understand it. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, do you want to explain what you're going to do about that, Adam? I think I know what he's going to do about that. You power Fail. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're looking forward to seeing you in your starring role on failblog. It's not good to know your, your, your friends are so supportive yeah, of you. Yeah, thanks own. for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is a, a strong possibility, in all honesty. But I've been thinking recently, uh, I guess, much like a lot of people listening to the show, what thinking? <laughs> no, bit no. of a reach with all this. <laughs> um, more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, that joke's a lot funnier when you've heard the bit at the end. <laughs> right. Okay. I almost feel like I would just start again. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot recently. Uh, for the last couple of years, I've certainly been thinking about it, but only recently it's kind of become a bit more focused in that. I would like to set up my own company. Uh, so, fucking, we've already wasted all the gags on Adam's not going to have any money and fail.com and so on. So I believe there was mention of a cardboard box as well. Yeah, I believe, yeah. so would, Adam, would you like to tell everybody about how you're going to spend the rest of your life in a cardboard box? Now, I've been thinking about setting up my own company for a, a couple of years. and Peck and water. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. <laughs> We ought to let him actually, you know, Sorry. explain <laughs> before, before, before we stick the boat in. We, we, oh, we'll yeah. just string this out for 25 minutes and get to the point at the end. <laughs> no content. <laughs> Sorry, um, so tell us, tell us, tell us Adam, so, what, I mean, what, you're, what's your, what are you thinking of doing? So, I mean, I mean I, there are certain things that I, am, I think I'm quite good at, and mm. I'd like to go into business doing them. Um, the thing that worries me, though, is the IT market at the moment, of course, is dominated by a lot of big players. Mm. Uh, and yeah. little guys like me don't really stand a chance because, first of all, straight out of the uh, blocks, I don't have the money to pay anybody else's salary other than my own. Right. Uh, I don't even have any money to pay my own salary <laughs> yet, but we'll worry about that another time. Um, Always a good approach with business. And, and so, uh, first of all, this business is only going to be able to start out doing things that I'm capable of doing. Yeah. Um, unless I... Uh, I'm setting up a, a music project of Creative Commons music, in which case I get everybody else to do everything apart from the music. <laughs> Harshness. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fucking learn you, won't it? Um, Surprise, he hasn't outsourced the music. To <laughs> Fuck you. Might be better. I. <laughs> arsehole. Yeah, you are an arsehole. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, basically, uh, I mean, 
I, I, I think I've got enough skills to, to kind of get off the ground. I'm not sure if I have uh, the skills to compete against people like Google and Yahoo and certainly not Microsoft, but I'm not going into the operating system business. Um, can't do little people like me stand a chance unless you've got mega funding behind you, either invest, a serious amount of investment or venture um, capitalists, do you think? I'd, I'd say there's a few things. First of all, it's... I don't know what you're wanting to do, and I can understand you probably don't want to say, because you probably want to I mean, keep it under yeah, your I don't really want to go into it in particular, certainly, as I've, uh, but, but, I haven't even got that far into uh, planning it yet. But I don't think that every business that starts up is necessarily going out there to immediately compete with someone like Google, or a very large organisation. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there's, it's probably unlikely you're going to be... Well, I mean, first of all, you won't even be in the same playing field as yeah, someone I mean, like that. I mean, so you're more likely to be competing. So let's say for the sake of argument, I don't know what you're doing. Genuinely, I don't, just so uh-huh. people know, I'm not going to try and secretly reveal what Adam's <laughs> doing. I actually don't know. But let's assume Porn you wanted website. to do hosting, yeah. right? Um, you're not necessarily going to be competing with somebody like one-on-one. Mm-hmm. You're more likely going to be competing with people like Bitemark. Um, and that's I, that's the that's yeah, why yeah. I can pay but yourself. The the I mean yeah I mean it's, it's hosting related, um, but my issue is if I were to host mail, how do I convince uh, uh, how do I convince people to buy my mail instead of using Gmail and Hotmail and surely, Yahoo? Surely the the trick you have to go for is you don't do mail. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is you have to pick something that's a bit more specific. That find a niche within mm-hmm. mail. So, for example, like um, you know, secure mail, a mail that will that is encrypted and no one can sure. read, kind of thing. Find yourself a little niche that will have its own specific set of customers that Gmail mm. doesn't cope with. Yeah, sure. the, the, and, the, the key point about this, I, I get to tell my thirty-seven signal story now. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> this is one of the things I, I wanted yes. you to bring up. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is something. Uh, thirty-seven signals are a web company. Um, People, some people have heard of them. Those people who haven't, if you've heard of Ruby on Rails, they invented it, and they've basically um, built a business, quite a profitable business. And I was listening to uh, David uh, Hansen, guy who runs one mm. of the guys who runs Thirty Seven Signals, talking about business models. And something he said kind of dawned on me. Well, before I got the job I've got, I was toying with the idea of going out freelance, mm-hmm. um, and listening to him talk about stuff and thinking about it, it occurred to me that you. You probably don't need to actually compete. There's probably more customers out there than there are people serving them. And you don't need to say, I'm going to take all of those customers. You don't have to think, everyone I win is someone that bite markers lost. Or if you're doing hosting, say, as an example. Um, It's more that if you can convince um, 100 people to pay you £20 a month for some service... Right, that's two thousand pounds a month. That's twenty five grand a year you've made there, which is a living wage. It's not brilliant wage, but it's yep. a living wage. And that's a hundred people. There are fifty six million people in the UK. Most of them are not going to be customers for what you're offering. Yep. But yep. you've got to pick up a hundred people out of six billion in the world. You must be able to make a hundred. Sure. And at that point, you're okay. You, yeah. you, you don't have to try and be. The, the thing about a lot of people setting up companies, the thing that venture capitalists look for, is. They're interested in people who are going to be the next Facebook mm-hmm. and make a hundred million quid. Yeah, yeah. But you don't have to. Yeah. You want to make? Oh, you know. I mean, if you pulled down eighty thousand pounds a year, you'd be sitting pretty on, be a, on a nice pile of cash. And yeah. for yeah. that, you don't need that much. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it, a lot of it depends on how how investment focused you are. Like, if your purpose is to basically cover your salary. So when I was a freelancer, I just wanted to earn enough money that I could afford to live. Yeah, yeah. That's right? basically. And if that's what you want to do, then then I'd say the bar's fairly low. But if you want to 
build a successful business to generate enough revenue to build to invest into another area then obviously it's a whole different yeah if if you're planning on building a growing business it's a lot harder than going okay i'm going to get what i want my salary to be and then i'm going to divide it by 12 months a year and however many customers Mm -hmm. to get down to reasonable price and then say that's the number of customers I need. I think. Uh, go on, Chris. I, I was just saying, there's a, a good point here. There's a lot of when when people talk about you know setting up IT companies, they think startup, they think Silicon Valley, they think you know getting your yeah. 20 million venture capital yeah. funding, and you know and either you really either to me, I mean, pissing it all up the wall or actually or becoming the next Facebook. And yeah, but, you, but most IT companies in the world will yeah. be one man and his dog who will make quite a nice living. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, certainly that would be more my plan. I have no plans to be the next MySpace or the next Facebook, and certainly not even necessarily. Of course, if you could be the next Facebook, that's even better. Oh, yeah, it'd be, quite, <laughs> it'd be quite handy to be the next Facebook and still own it and then sell it. I'd be quite happy with that. Thank you very much. As I'm Buntu, here we come. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I certainly uh, I'm not over keen on the idea of external uh, funding, uh, particularly venture capital, capital, because, I mean, a lot of people think about starting their own company in, in the theory that you'll never be a millionaire working for somebody else, and a lot of people would like to set up their own business because nobody likes to go to work every day and have somebody else riding their ass all day. I mean, you wouldn't even be in the ballpark of venture capital anyway, from no. what I can tell. And no. the thing is, I mean, it's like I could imagine potentially having some small private investment from somebody else. So, yeah. you know, this may be a friend who says, okay, I think what you're doing is really good. I'll invest, you know, 20 grand or 50 grand or something like that into the company with the expectation that they'll get a return on their investment. What, so yeah. got, sorry again, Chris. <laughs> so me no. and Chris always compete for the microphone yeah. at the right moment. It's just we, we only get like a, a tenth of the time on the air. That's what <laughs> ah. um, <laughs> Finger to you and finger to you. Woe is you. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I was, uh, just as I say, the, the thing you have to remember though is that there's only, if, if you go that business model of only having, uh, only looking to make sort of, yeah, 80,000 a year, there's only, there are certain businesses that are sh- closed to you. You are never going to be a chip make a chip design company that earns that no. kind of money. Well, you, I don't, you eat, yeah, I know you. You're not electrically. Yeah, I mean, uh, but so, you know what I mean. Yeah. There are some there are some things you can do one person and make that sort of money, and and there are other things where you need a hundred yeah. million. Yeah, I've know? got no objection to rake, suddenly raking in a couple of million a year. No, but, but you, as you, you need the starting got, money. Well, my 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 issue at the moment is I've got very little. Well, at the moment I've got no starting capital, but uh, by the time I come to actually put it into action, I will have just enough capital to start off very small and very uh, simple and the plan would be to grow it out as mm. you add more features and make it more and more attractive as you go along. The, th- the thing I think is interesting about this discussion is that there will be a lot of people listening to this. So a lot of people in the IT yep. industry who are thinking, well, I could probably run my own business, but I, I don't yeah. want it because I- I'm scared that it won't go ahead or I don't have enough money behind me. And... Um, the the reason I, is I used to think, you know, I couldn't do this because, you know, you've got to have a load of money in the bank and you've got to think about how you're going to employ staff and everything. And you don't actually, I'm going to sound like, you know, I'm preaching the American dream here. But if you're reasonably talented at, at IT, there is space, uh, you're prepared to work, there is space mm. out there in the market yep. for you. Uh, and most of the people listening to this show, I would say, are going to be of the kind of age where they can do it now, whereas 10 years from now, yeah. they might not be able to. Sure. Yeah. Once you've got you know, a stable job and a stable mortgage and two kids and so on, you're a lot less free to yeah. say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to chuck it up all in the air and 
live on a knife edge for a bit. But if you're if you're 23 and you're just out of university and you're living in a flat on your <clears> own or whatever, and you have to eat one bean salad for a few months rather than pizzas all the time because you haven't got any money because your company's starting up, then there you go. And yeah. and now you know kind of seize the day thing really. I think timing's always. I think timing's certainly a very important factor. But I think ultimately. Um, uh, where the, the the thing I'm worried about recently is the fact that certainly with the things I'm able to do, uh, I'm in a market of some quite fierce competitors, mm. uh, like well-known competitors. This- and I, I think half the battle is you've got to have it. Well, well, they can pay geniuses. So I mean, take Google for example. Well, uh, Google can pay some of the best minds in the world to design and develop this thing. I only have my own skills because I don't have the the funding to pay somebody to help. And uh, I think my worry is that. I've got to. I'm going to have to find a way of making my what my product will be unique enough to make it attractive. Yeah, I think I think that's the trick. I mean, the thing that Doodle can afford to pay, as you say, the brightest minds in their generation Mm -hmm. to design, yeah, Gmail for them. But if they do that, they're then not interested in a hundred customers. If you find a niche that only has a hundred people in the country. Yeah, don't want mm. it. I think, but I, are they all prepared exactly, to pay money? You, and they, you, you can live, and they, you're the yeah. only person who does yeah. it. You, you can, can make that. You can live in the edges. That's precisely the point. You yeah. have to yeah. pay the bill because they need ninety percent of the market. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. their investment is As isn't you worth said, it. I think it was you said earlier, Chris. Most of the IT industry, people aren't even aware of. It's just yeah. one man and his dog. I think the thing is as well is that I mean, yeah, it's about addressable market. <clears throat> like Google um, will be going for large organisations. Um, yeah, I'd imagine that significant chunks of Google even won't even be interested in people like SMEs. You know, they'll be yeah, interested absolutely. in very large organisations, and and there's some and some companies, you know, and and um, either small companies or contractors or you know the kind of people who would be customers for you necessarily don't necessarily want they probably don't want to go with someone like Google they might want somebody who's local is a good example you know yeah. Google don't have an office in Wolverhampton mm-hmm. I think there's right? a <laughs> um, you know amazingly <laughs> and, and there's, a, there's, there's something and that can be a, a unique selling point in itself I think that it's maybe too harsh on yourself to, to, to unless you're going on unless you're like you know getting probably into things email. like operating system development <laughs> right it's no. probably a bit Unlikely, harsh on yeah. yourself to be comparing yourself to someone a large organization like that because you always feel like you're never going to have a chance yeah. whereas I'd compare you more like to a company like Pale Purple right you know um, or I don't know Linux Emporium I mean one, or, of, one of the that, that kind of smallish company I'll tell you what I mean one of the reference uh, companies I've been thinking about uh, in that are probably similar to me are, I don't know if you're aware of them, Bitfolk. Uh, no, no. You know, no, the name vaguely. Andy Smith from Lug.org.uk, oh, yeah, yeah. he started a Zen hosting company oh, right, about, yeah. I don't know, about two years ago or something. Uh, he basically did it as a hobby uh, for, I don't know, about a year. And then about a year ago, he took it, uh, he formed, made a proper company. And he, he, he said to himself, I'm, I'm actually making enough money at this yeah. in my spare time that I could do it full time. Yeah, I'm not actually, I, I don't know, for, I've not even spoken to him about it actually, but uh, I, I'm not sure whether he's like quit the day job and living off what he's earning. Um, but certainly that, that's the kind of model that I'd probably be en- end up doing. I'm, yeah. I'm fairly, this, my view, and some people will obviously disagree with me on this, but my view is that in terms of earning yourself, I think somebody who's, um, averagely talented, like as in somebody who is less talented than you. I mean, you're oh, you're good. Long. You're good at what you do, right? Um, it, I think even someone who's not as good as what you do. Um, I think if you, in terms of earning enough money to cover their own salary and you know to to cover tax and all, and keep uh-huh. it all above board and everything, I think 
basically everybody has got the opportunity to be successful. Mm-hmm. I think it basically comes down to graft. Yes. If you're willing to put graft in, I have right, no problem with that. Yeah. Then you will do it. I think my, the problem, the fear for me is that uh, certainly VC-funded uh, startups and uh, new projects that spin out of Google have got enough internal brain share. They've got enough internal brains to come up with such a unique and clever idea. Uh, I fear that I don't necessarily have that amount of minds to bounce off, obviously, because I've only got my own. And uh, certainly there's a Darwinistic element to it that kind of, you've, got to, you've got to be bright, capable, and have a really good idea there's to start a, There's with. an alternative to that, though, in the fact that you can afford to take risks, whereas Doodle has shareholders. If they release something and they fuck it up completely... Then their share price tanks and they, their board mm. will get sacked. I think ultimately, you know, it's, com- it's comparing like for like as well. I mean, if yeah. Google are going to take a risk, they're going to take a risk with a multi-million dollar project. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to take a risk, you're going to take a risk with a multi-thousand pounds project. Okay? And end up, and I mean, end up the, in a cardboard it's, it's box. Like, the thing is, is that I think it depends. If, if you're talking about developing an application mm-hmm. and being able to compete with somebody who's already established in the marketplace and is addressing that marketplace everything from yeah. one man and his dog upwards to Ford, then yes, it's going to be difficult. But, you know, it's like so many companies start out with one guy or one girl working on a software application and then they sell a few, either a few licenses or they get a few customers and then they might mm. be able to contract someone or their friend comes in or that someone comes in and invests, even if it's just investing their time and they figure out a contractual agreement in terms of sharing revenue and things like that. And it just grows. I think it goes step by step. There's one thing I thought about while I've been having this segment. It occurred in my mind today, actually. I, as we said, there's a lot of one uh, these kind of, particularly in open source, I think, in the UK, there's a lot of these kind of one man and his dog companies. Yeah. And... Certainly, I'd imagine that no one company has the skills to do all of the work that comes their way. Yeah. So I wonder whether it, whether it be possible to have some kind of almost like a cooperative, where it, yes. when where work comes your way, uh, oh, uh, perhaps like a kind the, of an agreed cooperative the, of the, some kind. I could say this sort of thing happens in the web web world a lot. Right. Um, people who are freelance web people, work will come in that they haven't got time to do, it and they'll kick it out basically to a friend of theirs, saying, mm-hmm. um, "I haven't got the capacity to pick this up. Does someone else want to do it?" And then work comes your way that way. I've had yeah. freelance work come my, come my way yeah. on that mm. basis quite a lot. Result- just, just, I mean, you don't. It doesn't have to be a kind of a formal sign. Some work comes in, and then we parcel it out. Thing. Yeah. You just get involved. With people who are already in the business and say, you know, when work comes your way that you don't fancy taking on because it's too small for you or you're too busy or whatever, boot it in my direction and it gets you off the ground. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've got the advantage that because we're working in open source stuff yeah. to some extent there's there's a kind of a community focus around that and your costs are lower and you can mm-hmm. uh, you can pull in community help on things you're uh, you're not developing all the products yourself necessarily yeah. the other thing that people do as well of course is um is groups of companies come together to to, to get bigger tenders so for example uh, yeah. i think they're called wamita that's the west midlands it uh, yeah. association right. and basically it's a bunch of small companies who come together to get a particular government contract or something so you oh, right, okay. assuming let's yeah, say yeah. for the sake of argument you were doing hosting you could team up with somebody who provides a certain application and then maybe a consultancy company you provide mm-hmm. the hosting side of things and then the three of you bid for the contract and you each satisfy that element of the right contract. yeah i mean yeah. that's certainly one of the kinds of things i was thinking were an option uh, as, as you say, as I was saying, no one thing, of all these small kind of little pockets of open source companies in the, through the UK, no one company's got all the resources to do everything that might come as part of a potential tender. Mm. So yeah, it, yeah. you could have a kind of loose agreement with a, a number of other companies 
who are able to fill in parts of that tender. Mm. The, the only other thing to bear in mind is that the government in the UK are quite keen on the idea of people setting up businesses, so there is help for this kind of thing. I know in the US they're, they're very keen on the kind of entrepreneurial spirit. I don't know what right. it's like in other countries, but I suspect it's the same. People, governments like the idea of businesses being set up, so mm -hmm. they try and encourage you. There yeah. is help out there. You know, in recent years, there's been a lot of talk about web browsers. You know, everything's moving over to the web, cloud computing, all that kind of stuff, okay? And Firefox has been at the center of this. Yes. And for a long time, there's two things which I'd like to talk about in this segment, right? Number one is that Firefox was kind of the poster child for open source for a long time. You know, we were yeah. saying, yeah, yeah, Firefox is amazing, and spread Firefox and all this kind of stuff, and, the, you know, the, the New York thingy, um, New York Times advert, New York Times advert yeah. and all the rest of it. And now I've been hearing rumblings about how, well, you know, we support it on Linux, but, you know, it's kind of less important than Windows because that's mm -hmm. where everybody's using it, which yeah. feels kind of, I'd hate to use the word disingenuous, but it kind of feels along those lines. Would you hate to use the word disingenuous because you don't know what it means? I know what it means. But anyway. How does it fit into that sentence then? Well, it's kind of, uh, I think it fits. The word you're looking for is betrayal, surely. <laughs> I think that's it's probably a stronger word. <laughs> I think basically what you mean is they're kind of casually going, oh, fuck, they're a pain in the arse, aren't they? Two, yeah. Two, probably, I don't know, what, like 10, 15, 20% of their users, do you think? It kind, kind of, I mean, I, I know that in the open source community, we tend to have a, a perspective that open source tends to... Tends to thrive around open source operating systems, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. you know, earlier on when we were talking about this, having a cup of tea, we were talking about things like, you know, a good, a good example is something like GCC, Melons. and um, <laughs> and and a melon for being display for, for display purpose only. Um, but, but GCC, you know, and 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 the whole suite of of kind of shell level tools um, that that GCC will fit into as well. Um, but. Um, we're, we're seeing. See, I was thinking you described it like that because you, could, you just off the top of your head, you couldn't think of another one. What another what? Another command line development tool. Binutils. Right. <laughs> Libtil. That's the one you mentioned earlier, but I just got the impression you couldn't remember the name of it. Off Core the top utils. Busybox. Okay. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> you. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Get it, getting slightly off Sorry. point. Anyway, so that's the first point of discussion. The second thing is that. Also hearing rumblings about WebKit, and, and it seems like all the cool kids are talking about WebKit, and then we're seeing more and more blog entries from people saying, oh, Firefox are kind of fucking it up a little bit, and, you know, we, maybe we should think about something else. So the, the one thing is, you know, WebKit, is this something that's interesting? And secondly, can we ever, um, can we ever have confidence in a project moving forward without having to shift to the latest cool thing? So let's start it off with... Um, let's start it off with... Um, whether they're kind of sticking in with that open source well, route. I'm not sure you, you can blame them for concentrating on what must be 85, 90% of them user base. Hmm. They're basically saying, well, if Windows users are, you know, say 90% of our user base, why should we fuck them over for our 10% of Linux people? Even though, you know... Yeah, Do you need to fuck one over, over the other one, though? I mean... Well, I mean... <laughs> I well, well um, as far as I can tell... Um, when people talk about how Firefox or the Mozilla Corporation and so on are kind of stepping away from Linux or are serving their Windows customers better or whatever, they're talking about one of the following things. Nice. Um, there was a thing at, at, 
a few months ago about Firefox not being linked properly against some library on Linux or something, which I never really got to the bottom of. And, the, and then they weren't going to fix that in Firefox 3. Mm. And so right. that was a problem. And it only occurred on Linux. And the Firefox team went, well, we're sorry, we're going to release we're gonna release 3 with this bug in it. And yeah, it causes a problem, but we don't have the resources to fix it. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that when they originally came out with the new snazzy themes for Firefox, they did a Mac theme, which was quite native on the Mac, and they did a mm -hmm. Windows theme, yeah. which was quite native on Windows, and they basically didn't bother with the Linux one at all. And there was a lot of pushback on that, and then they they said, okay, and, and brought Linux up to be a, an equal tier partner with the other yeah. two. And then the third thing is about Firefox's control over their trademarks and how that <sighs> and how that fits in with for the whole open source yeah, ethos and things like Ice Weasel and so on. Being being a being an unbranded version of Firefox, which is genuinely open source, if you're uh, the first a software foundation person. Two of, of those are essentially Firefox going. We have so much engineering time. We. We can either concentrate on ten percent of our market or ninety percent of our market. That, that's as far you know, as far I, as I can tell. Yeah, the answer I to mean, Jono's question from earlier of um, do you have to fuck one over for the other? If you've got limited engineering resource and you've got you, bugs you all over the place, fix, then yes, that's what you have to do. I guess yeah. so. I guess I, so. I, 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 I think you blame them for that. I mean, my, my, is that not a good thing? The fact that they're put, managing to push out a very good Windows product that a lot of people who use Windows now are seeing as a viable viable alternative, viable piece of open source software they can use. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I'm playing devil's advocate. I mean, I think that so Mozilla are doing the right thing. Um, but it, it reminds me in some ways of, um, you know, drawing an analogy with music, which I'm obviously interested in, um, a, a band of a band Shit. kind of... I thought you were into metal. Uh, uh -huh. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's like a band kind of start oh, was that your rebuttal yeah <laughs> it, it basically yes uh it's like a band starting out and developing kind of like a a loyal local fan base yeah. and then mm. getting really big and ignoring the local fan base it's, or, or but, like metallica uh, encouraging people to swap tapes when they were yeah. small and, and then, then suing napster that's yeah. suing napster but you it's, know it's it's kind of that's selling out the people who when got I said you disingenuous, yeah, that's yeah. kind of the thing that I'm. Uh, that yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'd, I'd take, take that point, but as I say, they have okay limited engineering and uh, time resource. Yeah. resource that's mm. the word. Limited engineering resource, but they have to pay this engineering resource. They have to pay the people they employ. But it doesn't. It's, seem it's a slightly different thing in the sense that so at the end of every month they have to make a wage bill and. The way to make the wage bill is to get Firefox out there to as many people as possible, and the way to do that is to target the majority platform. But as far as I'm aware, there's not as much of an issue with this. There is some of an issue, but there is not as much of an issue with this with OpenOffice. And that's a far larger piece of code, from what I can gather. Yeah, and, and I don't know if there's significantly... I mean, there are clearly more developers working on OpenOffice, but I don't know if there's a significantly higher number of developers. And what I'm saying to you is... Part, part is, of is, the, is, is, surely the is problem there, a, there is that some have lots of money, or the, 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 the don't question, have the lots question of money. Is, but, is, do we know. believe that, that Mozilla is managing this effectively enough? Do we believe that they, they could actually improve... You know, I'm not saying go all one way towards Windows, all one way, and, and take all those resources away from Linux, but... Mm. Let's say there's seventy percent of the resources going towards towards Windows and thirty percent towards Linux. We'll ignore Mac for a for a second, right? Do you think they could balance it better, based upon the evidence that we've got? From I don't know. Well, to me, two things stick out really. First of all, the thing about OpenOffice. Uh, I think everybody's always said that OpenOffice seems to be developing at a snail's pace. It hasn't evolved a lot hmm. in the last mm. two or three years. Uh, it's refined a little, and it's probably got a little bit faster, but features it hasn't become noticeably feature yep. 
the, the feature set, the feature set don't seem to have evolved a great deal. The set, I oh, know. Sorry. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is, um, do you think this may be? Oh fuck! I fucking lost it again. <laughs> um, I, was gonna, I think I was going to say something like, uh, do you think perhaps Mozilla aren't? Their, their, their core products aren't diverse enough. Do you think they're kind of... One of the things we were talking about before the segment was uh, the Mozilla platform. I don't think this was my point at all, but I may as well just carry on while I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is you, an interesting point, yeah. Are they do, wasting I, their engineering, what engineering yeah. resources they do have? Yeah, sorry. I, I've actually remembered what I was on about now. It was quite handy. Uh, and it was in the right kind of direction. Your point is important to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that... I mean, this is my naive perspective. I'm not a developer. But wasn't Zool supposed to be pretty much cross-platform in the first place? Zool is cross-platform. Which meant that the major differences between the operating systems, supporting different operating systems, weren't supposed to be that great. Now... That's just a toolkit, though, isn't it? Yeah, no, the important point about this is not... Um, that you can develop. If if the Mozilla people wanted to develop a browser which looked and worked identically on all three platforms, they could do it today. And that's to a large extent what Firefox 2 was. Right. It was very similar on Windows, on the Mac, this is probably and my on level Linux. Of understanding what, what the, th- the thing they've been trying to do with Firefox 3 is make mm-hmm. it a much more native application right, okay. on each of the platforms. So, it in- so um, on the Linux desktop, it integrates better with the way Linux does things. On the Mac desktop, it, it feels... One of the big complaints that Mac people have always had about Firefox is it doesn't feel like a Mac application. Yeah, it, it feels like a Windows application yeah. that happens to be on the Mac. In the same way that if you run a Wine application on Linux, yeah. I mean, it works and the menus all work and everything, but it doesn't feel like a native application. Yeah, it's yeah. got its own dialogue boxes for doing things. It doesn't pay attention to your system configuration. Yeah. Um, and that's what Firefox felt like on all three platforms. And to, the, the, to, to, to be fair to Mozilla, they've done a They've done an excellent, excellent job, job with of, Firefox 3 in, in terms of that. Yes, uh, on, on all three They've platforms. They've done an excellent which, job. Which is why I think the accusations about um, them moving away from the Linux community are reasonably unfounded. Because uh, Firefox 3 is a much better, much more native Linux application than it was before. It's much more native, much better Mac application than it was before. I That's, just wonder whether the, it's... The, the, thing, the, the thing I think is interesting about your point, the way I see it, is that... Mozilla on Windows, uh, Firefox on Windows, is just an application. On yeah. Linux, it's kind of a core part of the experience. Yeah. So if you step back a bit on Windows, you're just stepping back on an application. It's not a big part of people's lives. Whereas if you step back a bit on Linux, it feels much more important because Firefox has always been an absolutely key part. Uh, There's basically no replacement for it. Up until very, very, very recently... There's been basically nothing else you do. I mean, you could run Opera as long as you didn't mind running a non-open source browser. Yeah. You could run Netscape 4, which was rubbish and years out of date. <laughs> or Conqueror. Um, uh, you could run Conqueror, which wasn't bad, but until the WebKit people picked it up, uh, 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 got to work on KHTML, they just didn't have the engineering resource to build a world-class browser engine. Yeah. It's, it's not, so, the thing I mean, I'm I, talking about is not so much the quality of the software. It's, it's more the kind of the perception of Mozilla as, 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 kind of, uh, as, as an organization that has arguably gained its success from many people in the, uh, in the open source community pushing it because it's open source and be- believing that Mozilla is a good organization doing the right thing. And whether Mozilla can, can maintain um, an allegiance to those people as it moves forward. And all I'm saying is that some people, and I kind of share some of their concerns, but I'm certainly nowhere, I don't think it's a big issue, but some people are suggesting that 
uh, Mozilla are beginning to lose a little focus on that and f- beginning to forget that that side of things. And, and one of the elements of those uh, of forgetting those sides of things is um, by neglecting Linux support to a degree. Okay. Well, and I think this is primarily with Firefox too. I mean, yeah. it was Firefox three. They've, they've yeah, I mean, the, Blizzard the, wrote a fantastic yeah, summary about yeah. all of the things that were going into the, it. The, the, the thing I think is interesting about that, when they originally said, we've got this brilliant new theme that we've developed and we've thought about, and it's going to be brilliantly native on, on platforms, Windows, mm. Mac version, and there was a big hole where there should be a Linux version. And I think they were surprised at the amount of kickback they got. Um, I, I think, yes, the, the Mozilla Corporation were letting their... Um, their, their, their support for Linux, them, them seeing Linux as a, a tier one platform along with Windows and the Mac, I think they did see that kind of drop off a bit. And then when they got all the pushback about the theming thing, I think they went, oh, fuck. These people really do care about this stuff and there's more of them than we thought there were. And yeah. now they've jacked it back up again. I, yeah. I think they were starting to drift away and now they've stopped and doing And now they're that. kind of identifying it. Yeah. Um, moving on a little bit then to, to WebKit. I mean, a lot of people are kind of beginning to say, oh, Firefox 3 or, or Firefox is shit, we should think about other web, uh, like WebKit-based applications and think about something else and blah, 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 blah. What are your thoughts on that? I've always had the impression... Sorry, I jump in there. No, um, no, no. I've always had the, the impression in. that I've basically the, the, <laughs> the, the, the kind of the logic behind that is that Gecko, the rendering engine from Mozilla, is big, clunky, quite kind of a heavyweight thing, whereas WebKit is much more lightweight and easier to embed in your own application without using it all the RAM in the entire world. Uh, am I making this up? Am I pulling no, this out of my ass? absolutely not. Go so, on. I mean, I, I'm looking a couple of years ahead, perhaps. Um, there are, I, I guess, I think if Linux isn't going to be a tier one supported platform with Firefox in the future, uh, we're obviously going to be looking at alternatives. And I've been using Epiphany a little over the last couple of days and uh, it really does feel completely different even though it's the same rendering engine uh, the application itself to me just feels completely different and not as an enjoyable maybe that's just because it's <laughs> di- it is just a different application even though the rendering engine is the same and i know uh, I, I believe the epiphany people have been complaining about the version of gecko like that hasn't really been updated in the last year or so, the release version. Yeah, sort of. And, um, well, and, and are looking at WebKit as an sorry, alternative sorry, board now, mind-smashing technical detail coming up. <laughs> <laughs> the people's complaint about... The, 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 difference, the distinction you need to draw is um, WebKit is a rendering engine, like Gecko is. Yep. Yes. Um, at the moment, uh, uh, on Linux, where I'm just purely talking about Linux for the moment, yeah. um, there is Firefox, an excellent native application which embeds Gecko and is a web browser. Yeah. There is WebKit as a rendering engine, and there is no particular browser which embeds it. Yep. So at the moment, you can use WebKit. Where people want something to do... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Where people want something to do HTML rendering, they want something to tie into GTK. They want something to render HTML to do help pages or whatever. A lot of people are looking at WebKit for that kind of thing. In the same way that Nokia took WebKit and built the System60 browser out of it, so on and so forth, for yeah. mobile phones. Um, at the moment, there is no decent browser application the epiphany people are seriously looking at at, um, webkit to the point where the next version of epiphany will have a webkit backend rather than a gecko backend and their problem is not that gecko hasn't got better it's that the mozilla team haven't devoted the resources they would like to see devoted to making gecko embeddable so it's not it's not mozilla it's not gecko it's gtk moz embed yeah. Um, the way of embedding Gecko in your application, it's 
annoying and crafty and it's jolly difficult right. to um, have your application poke things into the browser. I know because I've done this. Right, That's what Jackfield was and it was an unbelievable pain in the ass. Yes. Um, yeah. WebKit, they've, uh, they've tried to make it so it's a much more embeddable engine and, Ge- and Gecko hasn't got that kind of treatment which is what uh, an epiphany being an application which embeds um, yeah. a, re- a rendering engine want a rendering engine which is easily embeddable yeah. hence WebKit. I miss Conqueror in that description. They don't Conqueror embed. Conqueror embed WebKit. Yeah, and are they not a, a valid and legitimate browser? The, absolutely, yes. I mean, I'll be honest with so you. So when you say I, there isn't a valid and legitimate browser, this is where we're going. Sorry, I guess we're... Sorry, that, that, was, that was uh, completely unfair, actually. Um, <laughs> I guess you're I, talking I, from a known user's perspective. I, I am talking from a known user's perspective, and that was really unfair to the Conqueror people. Um, As I'm sure yeah, they will tell us. <laughs> I, um, yeah. yes. I, I use Conqueror uh, occasionally. It's very yeah, good. Thank I you haven't you, the. I haven't used Conqueror for a while, from long before KHTML became WebKit. No, and it wasn't... KHTML wasn't a brilliant rendering engine back then, and Conqueror spent a lot of its time doing lots of other things, like being the file manager. Yeah, um, yeah. And now, it's not like that. I suspect it's absolutely brilliant, but I've literally just picked it up and looked at it, and that's it. Um, so, But yes, yeah, sorry, that you are right to bring that up. I've got one more question from... I'm clearly not a web guy anyway, so I'm not sure what's happened in the last two years since Apple came in, took KHTML, and spat out WebKit. How reliant on WebKit is... How reliant on Apple is WebKit these days? Uh, There are a reasonable amount of non-Apple committers to the WebKit source tree. I mean, WebKit's completely open source. Yeah. Um... And there's a reasonable amount of Apple hackers on it, there's a reasonable amount of non-Apple hackers on it. They are doing, as I understand it, the lion's share of the work. I'm not sure is that a bad thing, though, because it's not as if they're going to drop it. No. So we- 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 WebKit's well critical to Apple these days. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, uh... <laughs> well, we've got some news to report. We have news to report. Um, so this is something that's, uh, it's actually, you know, you think you know how you're going to say it, but you don't actually know how you're going to say it. (laughs) I was all prepared about five seconds ago. So basically, in a nutshell, uh, we've decided we're going to wrap up Lug Radio. We are indeed. Lug Radio Live, uh, which is a month from now, will be the last Lug Radio show. Yes. Uh, the reasoning behind this is, uh... Quite simply, the, we've been doing Log Radio for now for what, four years, five years? Four or five years, five seasons this will be now. And yeah. um, we love doing the show, we've had a great time, we've interviewed tons of guests and we've had some great presenters, but... Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, apart from you. And us. Um, great guest presenters, we meant there, to be honest with you. Best company excluded. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we just kind of feel like um, we've, we've done a lot with the show and now is about the right time to wrap it up because one thing we, we're very conscious of is that we don't want Lug Radio to turn into... Um, Spandau Ballet. No, one of, these, <laughs> one of these things goes on and on and on. We want to go out on a high. I you think, know, you're supposed yeah. to leave everybody wanting more. I mean, uh, uh, amongst one of, the, one of the things we were thinking about, really, are, I mean, this is the end of the, the Lug Radio Live will be the end of the season. And I think it, it's not very easy to change the format yeah. now. Uh, yeah. I think to continue probably for another three, four, five seasons, we've got, we would have to do something radically different to keep it fresh, keep it exciting, keep it lively. Yeah. And 
So, so the most radical difference we could think of was not doing it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, as you said, uh, you wouldn't want to flog the horse until it can't stand anymore, as it were. Yeah, some might say we've already done that. To be honest, <laughs> but, you know. Well, yeah, to be honest with you, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, 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 exactly. We um, we've been uh, talking about it and everything, and I'm really pleased with everything we've done with it. And it yeah. feels like like Radio Live this year feels like a good place to say, this is what we've done. These yeah. are our numbers. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I think the thing is, I mean, um, looking back a little bit, I mean, we've said we're not going to be too retrospective in this show because we'd like to do that at Radio Live when we're surrounded by, you know, all of our friends. Um, yes, but, actually. Um, a, a, and a pint and or two. Pints, <laughs> a couple of pints, yeah, that Saturday night, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I think back to when we started this show, and our ambition with it was to basically create something that we thought was funny and we thought was interesting and hopefully find other people who we thought were funny and interesting too. And when we look at what we've produced in terms of the content, but not only that, but everything around it, such as the community and the, the, the forums people and the, the people in the IRC channel and the clan and all the rest of it, I think it's, uh, I feel incredibly proud about everything we've managed to achieve. I think uh, certainly from my own point of view, I've been both listener and obviously presenter now. And uh, the one thing about Lug Radio is, that I guess, is a testament to you two, Ak and Jono particularly, and also Matt, Aid, Sparks, Chris, and even and me, um, <laughs> is you. the fact that, especially when I, when I was a listener rather than a presenter, I always used to listen to the show and go, actually, fucking hell, I'd never even thought about that. Mm. And that it, it kind of raises uh, the attention to certain things that I would never have even thought about and raises questions about things that I had thought about. Uh, raises questions that I wouldn't have thought about those aspects of a particular subject. So I think yeah. certainly there's a, I, I always found the show very enlightening and it made me think about things that I wouldn't have even considered before. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, you know. But <laughs> here's your chance to do that for us instead. What we... <laughs> <laughs> the definition of laziness. <laughs> what we can't even be bothered to congratulate ourselves. Now, I mean, what we like to do is at Lug Radio Live this year, have a kind of a retrospective looking back on the last hundred and something episodes. Yeah. So send us in the stuff you thought was good. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice for us to... We, 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 basically, we, we've not really spent too much time thinking about how we'd like to wrap up with in terms of like thoughts and memories and things like that of what's happened over the last four years. But um, we've, uh, we'd like to do something at Lug Radio Live. So certainly send in your, your favourite moments in the radio the, the, your most frustrating moments your general thoughts about the show all the times that John O was wrong uh, thank you <laughs> which is very few in fact I'll, I'll, I'll be amazed if anyone can find a piece of paper big enough uh, and uh, um, something which we've also talked about and there's no promises here but we'd like to we'd like to create something that basically um, encapsulates some of these things whether this is a, 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 anything from a web page or whether it's like a book or something you know but we'd like to do something uh, to kind of encapsulate everything that's happened in the four, last four or five years. Um, but obviously we need content for that. So do let us know. And obviously, Look Radio Live UK, 19th and 20th of July in yes. Hampton, is going to be one final bash. It is. It's, it's going, going to be, be one, last big mother, party. one last mother of a blowout. <laughs> it's going to be a bit weird, you know. It is going, going to be, be very, very weird. Mm. I think step on stage for the last time. <laughs> I think one of the things we wanted to make clear just before we started this, first of all, 
my new business plan is not the reason for the end, <laughs> for the end of the radio. Honestly, very clear. T- t- talking about this just before this segment, Adam's saying, what if everyone thinks that, you know, I talked about this new business thing and that's why it's happening? And, and, again, okay, sweet. For, and again, for Jono, I, I think I'm sure, quite sure he'd like everyone to understand that Severed Fifth yeah, is not the yeah, reason why Severed Fifth is, comes to this decision got nothing to do with it. Um, and we've not had a big row or anything. Yeah, it's weird because... Um, I mean, I, I never liked... It's weird because uh, when, when Matt left, uh, some people thought that we had an argument and Matt had left you know and not very nice terms and not at all and <laughs> completely not the, 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 the four of us are still really close friends and act still very wrong and Chris is still <laughs> madly in love with a network block driver this um, is true you know so Chris is going off Jetting into the into the sun. I'm going into to the spend sunset. more time with my source code. You're going to you're going to start up the network block driver fellowship, aren't you? I believe. <laughs> Adam's going off to spend more time with his hair gel. Yes. <laughs> you're going to have to spend more time with pies, obviously. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. fucking learn you, won't you? Uh, John is going off to spend more time by himself. <laughs> I just yeah, but yes, you know. So gang, uh, this is it. What we want you to do is. Come and celebrate with us. 19th yeah, and 20th definitely. of July, Lug Radio Live in Wolverhampton. Yeah. Go to lugradio.org slash live, turn up on the door with your five quid and come and party with us one last time. One thing we've been talking about is if you could change anything and fix any problem in the Linux or open source world, what would you fix? Chris wouldn't have been born. <laughs> That's not a problem in the open source world. He's entirely proprietary from top to bottom. Actually, actually after the after well, the, I'm going home then. See ya. <laughs> in all honesty, after the booting Chris just gave me between segments, I'm yeah. inclined to agree with Johnny yeah. at the moment. Yeah. It, it was a start because oh, you never boot me at all between segments. In fact, segments. you booted oh, Adam and I within like the same breath. Yeah. Yeah, and you both deserved so, it. Yeah, yeah. He just breathed on you. <laughs> I, I the, network, went the network block driver's not working this week, so he's all pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> network broke driver. Uh, right, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, we were talking about things we'd fix. This is one of those, you know, it's never going to happen, but we'd like to see it anyway. So, Chris, what about the network block driver would you like to see fixed? <laughs> would you like to reduce the number of uh, mem copies? <laughs> you almost no, forgot no. then, didn't you? <laughs> Very nearly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not as familiar with a network block code as I used to be. <laughs> yeah, the number of mem copies is fine. It's the spin locks you have to reduce. <laughs> really? like, yeah, I, yeah, those spin locks, they, ref counts they rules, piss me off, to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> ah, ref counts. I fucking hate ref yeah. counts. Dash, but, you dash, know. fun roll loops. I O C T L, and it's the Swiss Army knife of C commands, so it's all fine. <laughs> See, the, okay, the, well, I no, believe it says that in a man page somewhere. What, what no, we, none of the listeners understand is that we had this theory ages ago, just throwing statements that we'd heard other people say into interviews and <laughs> see what the uh, interviewee yeah, yes. said. However, we're doing it now. It worked <laughs> at UDS once. <laughs> when uh, I spoke to Ben Collins, the colonel guy yeah. at, at, at Canonical, and, and I asked him for some choice colonel terms. And then I went and joined a conversation with a couple of colonel people. <laughs> and then just dropped one of these terms in, and they both looked at me as if to say... Huh? <laughs> How is that relevant? And then they responded in gibberish, and I was like, yeah. Oh, it's, it's like the, the game in meetings. Before a meeting, you open up a dictionary, just pick a random word. You know, right. And then you have to, uh, the, the, the base, simple version of the game is you have to get that word into the meeting. 
The hard version, you have to get someone else to say <laughs> the word. Perfect. Right? That's, that's <laughs> going to be a good joke. Honestly, it's hours of end- old people at work listening to this going, ah, oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> no, it was but- a similar thing when uh, Mirko Muller joined the Lug Radio community. He was, you know, well-known in the com- Lug Radio community before he became this desktop bling wizard, right? Well, so we, what, because we all ate yoghurt? Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> and when he first got on Planet Gnome, I said to him, uh, you have to say the word chinny raccoon <laughs> and a bunch of other things in this post and he sprinkled them in this post about you know DRI <laughs> the DRI even still exists but we have, we anyway, have to do that we have to do that next time you're in a meeting right, pick a word is anybody else allowed to know that that's what you're no, trying to do no no the, the best thing about it, I was at a um, conference a couple of weeks ago right? and there was a panel at the end um, and you got about halfway through this panel and I thought hang on and they seem to be mentioning Beatles songs a lot. Right? <laughs> Someone, uh, you know, um, Andy Clark was on there. He's like, oh, yeah, to be honest with you, that's all problem. I think we should just let it be and move on, you know. <laughs> and one guy stuck his hand up to ask a question and he said, okay, um, first of all, I noticed you've been naming Beatles songs and rattled off a list of half of which I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> and said, first of all, did I miss any? And secondly, do you not think it's taking the piss a bit? <laughs> <laughs> But I thought Gosh. it was brilliant. They'd obviously sat there beforehand and gone, right, Beatles songs, how many can you get in? Had a little competition up on stage, right? So it's the plan for meetings. Anyway, sorry, we were doing so, a segment. Well, I actually, topic, right? I actually lucky, think, lucky charms. I actually think that bit of the segment is actually probably going to be far more interesting than the second yeah. part. But uh, so... Um, brilliant I, games to play in meetings. I don't really want to be the one that starts. So Christoph, we're I mean, if we start. were going to begin with you before we started booting Oh, yeah, on, it was yeah. mem copies, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Now, what I was thinking is that one thing I think would be really good for the Linux community is to have a decent, proper, easy-to-use Active Directory type replacement. Something that isn't just open LDAP, where you have to hack it all yourself to actually make it work. Preferably something that Windows can use as well. Do you mean your definition of easy to use or everybody else's so, Something that your average sysadmin in a company can set up and then have, you know, like... Linux desktops around that are, and manage them easily. I think, I, I mean, this, I've been... Mix their Windows and Linux desktops together and manage them easily. I've, so, I've been hoping this, the answer to this thing's, uh, problem is going to be drifting my way over the last year or two, really. And I think at the moment, you've, you've either got NIS and NFS... And, which is rubbish. And right. bits of Kerberos and LLAP and glue it all together yourself. I think, or which is I, horrific, I know, well, kind of. Well, exactly. And it's still probably not quite the same. And the other thing is, I think Ak was going to mention... Zach, it. how are you doing? Just shut your fucking noise. Shut your fucking noise. Just just because server technology doesn't can't hold your. Just uh, just as no one's paying you any attention. Part of the problem. Boys are talking. (laughs) Please please be quiet. Part of the problem is we asked them what they want and forgot that we wouldn't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Just because some people's concentration lasts longer than a fucking MTV segment. (laughs) Forgive us. So you want you want what Active Directory? No, basically, I think. Go on, Chris. That's the the your, idea was basically so you could deploy Linux desktops in a company and have them all integrate yeah, and have a yeah. Linux-based kind of um, uh, Active Directory equivalent and, and the Windows machines would all use that as well and it would all be managed in one place isn't, so it would be nice and simple. Isn't everyone going to write in and say this is what Novell Directory Services is for, this is what eDirectory is for, this is what that, the Red Hat Directory I, Services LDAP thing is for, Fedora Directory uh, Services or something. Thingy, what's Ac- Fedora Services is for, for directories that are active or something. Yeah, Fedora Active Enterprise Directories Active Enterprise Synergetic Active Enterprise Directory. Oh. <laughs> That's exactly what it's called. <laughs> 1.0 beta. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, seriously, I mean, I, 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 even I, right, and I'm not particularly in touch with the Wankers. boring heap of shit you call a job, right? <laughs> I'm not particularly following this I really stuff. I'm fucking going home, right? <laughs> I, Fuck you. I'm, I'm not particularly He's in touch with stuff. The but even, even I am aware that people have already tried to solve this problem, right? You're not the first person to go, yeah. that Active Directory thing on Windows, wouldn't it be great if we had that too? No. So what's wrong Pe- with the stuff People have got? tried to solve, solve this problem already. As far as I'm aware, they're not particularly easy to use. I don't think they... they I tried setting up for the whole directory server. Admittedly, this was a while ago, and I just got a bit confused with the first... Yeah, they're not well documented. Is it actually a soluble problem? Leave aside for the moment the question of whether it's an interesting what, can it be problem. Di- can it be dissolved in water? <laughs> <laughs> this problem cannot be dissolved in water. Okay. <laughs> well, do, 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 that's a bit dividing by zero, isn't it? For God's sake. <laughs> I don't know if it's a sol- solvable problem. I kind of hope it is a solvable problem. I mean, one. whether it's a solvable um, problem with the Unix architecture is another thing, but uh, can, Windows have already solved this problem, so it must be solved. Yeah, I, mean, I you can uh, get Linux processes to authenticate its active directory itself as well. Uh, uh, hang on, so integrating to an active directory domain, you can't kind of do it this, the other way around. This, this perfect thing that there is in your head, it's Active Directory. They did everything right. No, I'm not. Well, I mean, most of the people I know who use Active Directory, they'll there's some bits they'll go, oh, that's actually really good, and some bits they'll go, well, yeah, it's all right, and some bits yeah. they hate. Yeah. Nobody's looking at it and going. Active Directory is brilliant. Just no, implemented. I think Linux. really. I mean, for me. So if Microsoft aren't solved, I mean, you know, Microsoft are, tend to be, you know, big picture, complicated configuration, sort of solvable stuff for a, a, a lot of things like this. Is the kind of magic that you want actually doable? Does it make sense? I think, so. I think it's. I, I think, think it's sensible and doable. It doesn't have to be. I. I don't think incredibly complicated. I think my experience with Active Directory domains isn't very large, but certainly one of the things I, I my present company find quite useful is the fact that you just add a user to the domain and they get a mail account set up they get a home directory set up yeah and then you log in it automatically you, connects you log to in onto home directory you, you get a mail account to. you get centralized group user management the board the board <laughs> corner of the room are about to explode right okay so what your fucking idea then? <laughs> my, my thing's on, just gonna be me, i want my de- de- desktop to be pink i mean <laughs> <laughs> I want to be out of the theme, the Lib Notify bubbles. I just wanted to buy a Which you actually can't do without hacking the sea. I was looking it up today. Gimple up prime. <laughs> I'm not hacking the sea. I want an easy way of doing it. That's not my thing, by the way. I'm not going to take my one no, brilliant mine, wish for the open source. Mine is to make the desktop pink. Burn it on that. Yeah. Right, John, Ozzy, John he just wanted to buy a melon. <laughs> <laughs> that melon was for display puppers only. <laughs> anyway. Mine is actually quite boring. Um, You're not kidding. (laughs) And you thought the last one was boring, listeners. Are you ready? I actually wondered what the point of this was, in all honesty. Right. uh, Go ahead. Basically, I want... uh, If I could could see anything, I'd like openoffice.org to be uh, more maintainable. And when I say that, basically, um, I'd like like openoffice.org. Sorry, I was I drifted off there, Don. Sorry. Uh, It's all right. Your your attendance is not required. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, from from talking to open office developers um it's this huge chunk of code it's very very difficult to work with and i just think that it's such an important part of the desktop you know it's like a significant number of people who are going to use the desktop are going to need office productivity software the 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 uh the industry is heading towards the you know cloud computing and everything but right now people are using desktop software to do office productivity and what we're using is open office now i accept that there's kofis and that there's uh, the gnome office suite of applications 
But OpenOffice right now it gives us the most amount of functionality. People are very familiar with the brand. And I just think that it needs to be more modular so people can improve it quicker because it's just stagnated. Now, in terms of how this happens, I spoke to Sun about this a while back, and they said that it basically require two years of dedicated engineering time, doing no new feature development to do that, right? Um, which means it's obviously pretty difficult to do that because it requires a significant amount of expenditure. But I think that it will be as kind of... Um, so, hang on, baby. Sun shut down development on this. No, no, no. So, so what I'm suggesting is that, um, uh, I mean, my solution is as hand-wavy as Chris's, you know, I'd like to see an active directory um, equivalent. <laughs> yes. So, it's, it, yeah. this is something that is, you can't put into practice straight away. But I think it will be worthwhile. Uh, there's a lot of people working on OpenOffice together. There's IBM, there's Sun, there's that law company that's got a load of developers that we yeah. interviewed one time. There's, uh, you Novell. know, Novell. Pro- Propylon. Propylon, I think it was. Well remembered. Sean something. I was confused about prophylactic. Not not twice, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I believe we made that mistake last time. Um, And uh, I just think that it would be better if... Son of the kind of the, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, hub. No, they're kind of, you know, they're the... I was going to say the arbiters of the code, essentially. Yeah, they're they're kind of the the grandparents of the code, right? They're the owners. And I think it's their responsibility to forge this process forward and to work with people like IBM and Novell and people like that to make it happen. I don't think Sun should burden this responsibility themselves, absolutely. But unless we get OpenOffice in a decent shape, it's always going to be the ugly office suite that sits on quite a nice Linux desktop. So you want... Basically, everyone to down tools on feature development and just modularize. It's, it's not so much completely down tools, but at least I'd, I'd rather we sacrifice a certain amount of feature development and get it in shape because we need that investment to to push it forward in the next five years. It just worries me that you know, like Firefox has got Firefox development is excellent. X.org used to be in exactly the same position when it was with X386, and then they modularized it all and and look at the feature developments happened there. But it took them some time to make that so happen. What is, what's it, the advantage it, of doing it, this? So what, what it means is that feature development in the future will be quicker because the code's more modular. Because right now it's just this enormous chunk of code. Don't, do you remember what happened to X when X was X11? It was really hard to maintain. The reason they created X.org and spent ages splitting it up into bits is so they could do feature development faster. And then we right. saw a lot of cool stuff happen to X. Right. So what, needed, what, uh, well, I, I think the only reason nothing happened with X. I don't think. Um, so. Well, no, no. And, there was and, loads um, of there's loads of bureaucratic shit. But, but there's loads of bureaucratic shit around open. Exactly, office. and that, that's oh, yeah, the other absolutely. that's the other side of the problem. Well, I mean, the one thing that I think would happen if you if it were modularized is everyone would, would care about the spreadsheet and the word processor and everyone would forget about everything else. No, no, people no, no. Would, people the, wouldn't forget about the presenting. The uh, modularization would occur at many levels. So like one aspect could be, for example, there'd be the core chunk. I mean, to take X as an example, you know, they separated out the font rendering elements of it as far as I'm aware. This is my knowledge from five years ago. But, you know, from what I could tell, that they separated that a bit out and it meant that someone could just focus on that and they could compile it in less than a day, you know, to work on that. That's the, that's the problem. I mean, it, you, you need to be a, a rocket scientist just to compile OpenOffice, let alone to do anything with it. Your, your, your problem with it, when you say, yeah, I mean, people would need to stop and work on it, and that, that's exactly what Firefox <clears throat> did. Right? Yeah. Firefox is one of those things that you talk about modularizing that yeah, I know most about. four years and then come and back again. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, I mean, if we assume that Firefox 2 basically made it to the point where you could develop cool stuff on it, Firefox 1 was still a bit shonky in places. Firefox 2 was good. And then Firefox 3 is an example of the cool stuff you can do now that you have a modular Firefox, right? The, uh, Netscape released the source code in 1997, and we got Firefox 2, like, two years ago. 
That's not that's not saying there's going to be no new feature development for eighteen months. That's a decade yeah. that's during which we have nothing. Yeah, and, could, yeah but and, and, and in that point, Microsoft have released three new Office versions, none of which we can read. You, 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 I, you, I you suppose could, you could theoretically say that. Well, hang on a second. If it's going to take that long for Firefox, it's going to take that long for everything. But that, it didn't. It didn't take that long for X. I, I'm not saying it would take to that be, long. I'm not saying honest, it would be take. That, while, be you're, while you're waiting for this all to be modularized, it's not like. OpenOffice goes away. You still have a workable, usable yeah. Office suite. You, you have a workable, usable Office behind. suite right up until Microsoft release another version of their Office suite and you can't read the documents. And then it's useless. Then it's Abbey Word, which nobody uses because it can't read the documents. Yeah, but, but, you know? From, but what, from what I can tell, I mean, you, there's no Abbey reason, Word people are really cross now. I, I use Abbey there's Word there's no well, reason why you know. couldn't produce support for, for those Microsoft file formats in the existing Office suite. But I think my, my point here is, is that I think there needs to be a lot more focus on solving this problem. And um, I agree that it's a very hard technical problem, but is... right now it seems that um, basically, you know, and I don't know if I'm representative in my view on this, but new feature development in, in OpenOffice, no one gives a shit. It's nothing particularly interesting. No, I agree with you. Because, and and the, the most interesting thing that they did was add support for extensions, which means that people can more easily produce interesting additions. But... We're not seeing anything particularly but, interesting going on because from no. what I can gather, it's such a pig to work with. It is. I mean, pick a stupid example. The thing I'd really like to see in OpenOffice is the presenter view. I'd like to be able to, uh, when you do a presentation, to have right. a notes page on my laptop screen and uh, the actual presentation on the projector. And you can't do that at the moment. There isn't, there, there, there's, it's coming there, in three. There's a spec for a presenter. It is coming in three, but there's a spec for a presenter view. There's been a spec for ages. Right. And one of the problems building it is that it's been really hard. They've had to refactor a load of code to make it possible and that took ages and it, um, yes I'm naive in this but it doesn't seem to me that if you had a nice modular openoffice.org that it would be that hard a thing to implement. Exactly yeah. I, mean, I might be totally wrong. OpenOffice hackers might be saying yeah, you're ridiculous it doesn't matter how modular it is that would always be hard at which point I apologise you know. The thing is is that looking at options I mean you could theoretically say okay let's not do this with OpenOffice but if right now, from what I've from what I've heard from a few different developers who've worked in OpenOffice, is that OpenOffice is basically right now is unmaintainable. That's the thing I've been I told. That, yeah. Is that it's unmaintainable, and basically what the, what they're doing is they're shaving off the edges where possible to add additional feature development. And there's this small group of people in Munich, or wherever it is, who who are the original Star Division developers, yeah. who know how it works, but they're they're busy with feature development. But it seems like we need to invest some time but, to get it in a more in a more modular state. So. So we can actually do some stuff like this, and it becomes a proper open source Those project. Those guys are still hacking on it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise oh, yeah. that. I suppose started. They're all employed by Sun, aren't they? Oh, Sun bought Star. But for, yeah. for me, the only the only feature yeah. that the, the only feature that's going to matter in the next two years in OpenOffice is going to be support for the Office XML formats. I think open it's going to be that, and I think it's oh, going to be keeping data Office open as well. XML formats. I think like DocX and XLS yeah. X and so on. So, Mr. Gingwa. Lang right. Raj. My go. I mean, what I would like to see is I would like to see a team of usability people, HCI people, um, who are paid for by somebody. I have no idea where this money comes right. from. A duck flies in the window and delivers a big pile of cash. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then we use it to employ a big HCI team who sit down and look at uh, the Linux desktop as a whole, the, the, the free desktop as a whole, sorry, right. I, sh I should say. And then have the ability to to stipulate that uh, uh, that changes should be made, whether they're wide ranging changes or not wide ranging changes, whatever, and then people concentrate on making those changes happen. I don't know whether this would be 
one distro doing this and then that would give them that would deliver competitive advantage to them or whether the community as a whole does it i know we've talked about how you can't just say here is a list of features now open source developers this is what you will work on because that's not how it works but at the moment the um the stuff i see people doing the things like the the gnome human interface guidelines and so on they are they're snipping around the edges of stuff and every time discussions come up you say how should i best do this and the the feedback you get tends to be well in an ideal world, you do this, but that requires loads of wide-ranging changes to the way Nautilus works, the way the desktop works, the way the file systems work, the way Linux works. So right. instead, do this. We're, we're hitting um, local maxima, but we're not actually doing it right. It's another down-tools thing, really. Mm. I'd like people to say, this is how a desktop would work. I mean, if you went to um, Callum Benson, the sun guy, I'm picking a usability guy out of my head, and said, how can we make the Linux desktop we've got better? We'd have a load of ideas. But he said, how can we make a really great desktop? Don't start from here. Right. I wonder how different it would be. The impression I get is it would be quite a lot different. So you're, you're and talking I, I, about... I'd like someone to have the... Because he, he hasn't got the time. None of the people have got the time to sit down and spend a year specifying what the greatest free software desktop imaginable would actually be like because they've got you know jobs to do i'd like it yeah. to be there it sounds job. like this needs to be a research project a university it, it needs to not be too researchy i mean um, no, but it's, there, there that's are, a great there, opportunity for someone to do something yeah i mean there, there are research um projects, things like microsoft research do this kind of thing all the time they've got teams all sit there and say this is how hmm. it should work but it's all kind of, you know, they put out, well, I was going to say a PDF at the end of it, but it's actually probably a postscript paper, <laughs> which yeah. gets delivered at Sig Chai or whatever. And then people go, well, that's very interesting. But you never actually see any of it happen. I'd love to take a little bit, put me in the room and say, okay, you've got a year and we'll pay your wages and buy you all the buns you want, design it. And then when you've designed it, we'll build it. So are you, are you expecting this to be kind of rewrite, when you say rewrite the free software desktop, I mean, obviously that's, either GNOME or it's KDE or it's Windows Maker I, or I, it's I, I, you expect them to come along and go throw away all of it and here's I don't know I don't know if I knew what they were going to come up with or you'd expect to be you then, there'd already be a specification no no the point is are you expecting them to kind of come up with a place basically something completely completely new maybe a combination of all I mean, the best bits of all, of all of those this, you're not saying redesign GNOME you just redesign yeah I, I'm, I'm saying redesign everything. things yeah absolutely I mean yeah, what they come up with might not be a WIMP desktop at all. It might not be Windows and a mouse. You know, no, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I, my personal feeling on that is we're starting to feel the pinch a bit with the desktop metaphor. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone needs to come up with a new metaphor. Do what Xerox Park did in the 70s, perhaps. I mean, okay. I, I, I don't know. I'm not uh, uh, an HCI expert. Um, but people, so, to my mind, people, everyone who's doing this kind of thing is just academic. But you're, you're basically you know, talking and about... I, and I want a, a distribution or the Linux community or somebody to, to say, we're going to do this and then we're going to listen. Basically, you want to take the, take the theory back to first principles and re, redesign it you're from there, the drowned up and say... Yeah, this you're, is, you're basically making the noises that people have been making for a long time in the, in the GNOME camp at the moment, which is, GNOME's boring, it needs to be more exciting, but I don't actually know how exciting that is. And don't get me wrong, I've made similar noises in the past. I, you know, I wrote a blog entry a little while back when the thread was yeah. going on on Planet Gnome about it. But a lot of people have made the valid criticism that, well, what do you seek to achieve? You know, it, it, do we need something radically different? My, my point about this is, I don't know. If you get a year and then you put it together and they say, 
this is how it would work. And then you look at it and you go, that's not actually going to deliver anything different. Then we'd know that spending that time doesn't deliver you anything better. At the moment, we don't know. It's all kind of, we should do something different. And then people say, what is it? You go, well, I don't know because I don't have time to think about it. And they say, well, it probably won't deliver anything better anyway. It would give you a firm answer to the question. At that point, it's a cost-benefit analysis. You can then say, we can see what this will deliver that's better. And now we can see roughly how much it work, it work it will be to implement this. Is the amount of work it will take worthy of the benefits we'll get out of it? But at the moment, you've got no idea what the benefits are, and you've got no idea what the costs are, because you don't know what it is we're heading for. Okay. Okay. Well, mine's a lot more boring than that, unfortunately. <laughs> I did admittedly drift off during both of yours, by the way. <laughs> and, and I'm not lying, but then again, it's getting pretty late. Stupid so, server thing. So, um, <laughs> no, it's not. In, in, sorry, my mic keeps falling down. I'd like to add this new switch to tar. No, but in the first in, in the first you can never have seven enough tips. Tips. Let's deal with zoo compressed files. Well, I'm just going to go away and wait for you to finish now. Okay, whenever you're ready. So yeah, take a while. Yeah, so what else could we add to time? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Go on then, Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> Actually, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, great! Another doctored photo on the forums. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah, we ought to say the, the guy, A team guy, Jezra. I think the guy. Yeah. Can we announce that? What he told us at LRL USA. <laughs> No, please don't. It's just horrible. Uh, no, actually. He, he didn't, didn't we actually mention it in the show? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, oh, maybe I did. I don't know. I don't, don't know whether he feels kind of protective about yeah, it. He's done what. another picture yeah. that's on the forums, and it's of us as the A-team. And it's rather amusing. <laughs> it is, actually. We were, we were really impressed with that. Picture of you as BA. <laughs> <laughs> the, th- the thing that worried me about it is it looks like, you know, me as BA and John O as Face and Adam as Murdoch and Hannibal. And I had to look twice to confirm yeah. that it's actually Hannibal with Chris's face. Yeah, it is me <laughs> as Hannibal. It's quite disturbing. It's, it is pretty freakily accurate. It's pretty good. Yeah, just the picture in general, I think, is it's, fantastic. You did it a great is. job. We were really impressed with that. Sorry, anyway, yeah, we were talking about so boring service. Your, your boring service. Thank yeah. you very much, Stanley. Um, <laughs> actually, you're Stanley, so you can stop laughing. Um, oh, yeah. brilliant. You're Oliver Hardy. I'm lucky. <laughs> While you were talking about pink desktop, it did occur to me, actually, one thing I'd settle for in the short term is somebody making the GNOME panel, the font colour, being able to set that differently to what the system font colour is because I have a different colour back, desktop background shut your face you asked for a pink desktop so shut up <laughs> I didn't say anything no you're just in the mocking mood after you started the segment but uh, no, uh, what I would settle for at the moment would be uh, having uh, for, would be that using Firefox does not lock you out of certain websites uh, my example of this is uh, certain websites uh, web uh, tools at my university I couldn't use them in Firefox Wolf uh, no, it wasn't the wolf. Uh, <laughs> it, it was equally awful, though. I think it was called eVision. I don't know whether it, it's a commercial product or it's just something uh, internally developed. eVision. Yeah, to d- display your, uh, e. your module results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a tool to display your module e-vision, results. it displays your E. <laughs> you go, there's this big rotating E that only works in Internet Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it looks like a scene from a, an American movie when emails just arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Did he come down a big tunnel first? Before I got to you, this email. <laughs> four yeah. character passwords on screen. Yeah, so no, I'm not not talking about HT delivery method, HTTP delivery method for drugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just, a t- and my my other example of this was uh, uh, kind of the certain kinds of websites that you go to. I don't say your bank's website or so on, um, where change using the Firefox user agent extension and changing it to Internet Explorer or Netscape four 
when that doesn't help you. And the example is uh, your guy from the BBC, Ashley is his name. Ashley. Oh, Ashley Highfield, yeah. Uh, he, he demoed Ubuntu, was it a week or two? He ran Ubuntu for a week or two yeah, on his yeah. laptop. And one of the things he said he couldn't do was use his bank's website. Now, me and Chris have agreed yeah. that both our banks work fine. As does as the, bo- say, as the both of my banks. I have to say, I haven't found a, a site that Firefox doesn't, doesn't work with for probably at least a year or for, two. For quite I had one about a month ago. Bear with me. Uh, there, there's a lot of internal corporate intranets, uh, yeah. uh, 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 internal corporate web applications, which are IE only, an awful lot of them. But bear with me. Are you, Adam, talking about having Firefox change which capable of doing these things, or are you talking about the world getting a clue and not building Internet Explorer-only applications? Yeah, unfortunately, I am talking about people kind of people that are developing applications that only web applications that only work in internet you want, store you want people to get you a clue and not get a clue and we know this isn't going to happen well, well, it's and you've got the moon. choice of get a clue Honest or re-implement thing. internet explorer yeah. neither of which are yeah but I'd I mean, like to make the ocean yellow <laughs> <laughs> if everyone just puts a little bit of yellow food colouring in maybe we can make it yellow that, or, or you're, just standing you're taking piss. the piss out of you know the open source model. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's supposed to work. Remember, everyone puts a little bit in, and then takes according to their need. Or is that Marxism? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's like a Chinese buffet. It's Eric, Ray- <laughs> Eric Raymond just combusted the uh, uh, the comparison with Marxism. I think. So, so you're talking about the world getting a clue. Yeah, How is this it, miracle to be achieved? Well, I mean, the point we were discussing... <laughs> you're a pair of arsholes, aren't you? <laughs> well, I didn't say anything! The pair of you just been ripping on me and Chris ever how, since we dared to discuss some server technology. How long have you known these two? Uh, about, I think, seven or eight years. And you've only just realised they're a pair of arseholes. Right? <laughs> They've never been a complete pair of arseholes in such a sustained attack on yes, the person. Th- 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 they do this every time. Thus spake the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> He only wanted to buy a melon. <laughs> Expert on arseholes within the like, radio team. Particularly, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, laughing arseholes. Give it a rest. Right. So, to finish my point, yes, uh, when we were discussing what we were going to discuss in the segment, there was no stipulation that it had to be something that was solvable right. and, until I'd already thought of my thing. So, tough shit. Yeah, okay. no, I mean, to be honest with you, do you think it will be solved by Firefox getting more... Uh, well, more. You, I mean, as you get more, um, there's, there's, there, sorry, start again. There's a chicken and egg thing in that companies won't get Firefox in because it doesn't work with their internal applications. But no one's encouraged to make internal applications work with Firefox because companies don't run it. But as you know, the the, the Firefox marketing team mm-hmm. get in there and rattle more doors and so on. Do you think we're going to see this change and people get a clue about you know web standards and the oh, point? Yeah, the I, I think that's the issue, really. Um, to me, I think. Basically, it's the, the same open source problem is that there are certain entren- there are entrenched people around the world who aren't even aware of things like standards and interoperability and that kind of thing. And I don't think, uh, uh, I think was it the Spread Firefox campaign, as, as well as they're, ever, they're going to try forever, I don't think they're ever going to solve that problem until... Because I, I think in every company there's little pockets of guys that are running Firefox or even Safari or some other browser, not Internet Explorer, and those guys are effectively just locked out of mm. using these applications. Mm. So, it's the end of the show. <laughs> it, it is. I just have to start every... It's a little bit of a like pregnant that. statement now, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is, rather. It's not the end of all the shows, just yet. Just, but, you know, just time for the emails. Yeah, time, time's a waste. <laughs> all right, who wants to kick off? I, don't, uh, right, I guess it's me, then. Everyone's looking Adamski. at me. We'll go, okay. we'll go this way around. Okay. okay. We've got an email from... It's either Will from Cincinnati or 
Will Cincinnati, as we did last time, uh, entitled Mac Jiver. Uh, and the opening phrase is http colon forward slash forward slash en.wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash list underscore of underscore problems underscore solved underscore by underscore MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> Snappy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a short one, isn't it? Uh, at the risk of being a killjoy, I always thought the MacGyver series were, was laughable and fraudulent. Technically, most gags could have worked, but everything depended on look, exact time, and, conv- and convenient supplies of necessary chemicals and devices. I, I, and I could tell it's the A-team where, which relied on them being lost a second, fully stocked When you say that everything was scientifically proven, act. Yeah. I was. Because first of all, I mean, he's saying, yeah, it relies on luck, which he does to a certain extent, but did I miss the bit where it was television? For God's sake. Hang on, you were defending the fact that it was scientifically proven. It you is. can't have it both ways, fat man. No, it works. <laughs> I mean, yes, I concede um, it relies on you being locked in a room with a submarine battery in it, but at least it's better than being locked in a room and then building a tank out of stuff you find in it. <laughs> Not really that much You know, it is. MacGyver would use things like, you know, a, mag- a, a magnifying can. glass and a deodorant yeah. can. Yeah, that kind of thing. And the second thing is, right, I bet my point. new ambition in life is to have a Wikipedia article list of problems solved by Stuart Lankridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need now. <laughs> It would be a lot shorter than the list of problems created by Stuart <laughs> Yeah. Hey, what else does he say, okay, Will well, Cincinnati? Since so many well-planned commando actions and special forces actions with highly trained personnel using specialised equipment rarely go as planned, it is implausible such ad hoc improvisations could be made to work. I'm amazed you managed to read that meaningless <laughs> stream of bullshit out <laughs> and not make uh, even the smallest mistake in reading that sentence out. I know. Uh, well, I mean... It's getting pretty fucking strange now. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so, I mean... He's one of well I mean right. you're losing the will aren't you I am yeah lost for words one of the underlying philosophical I can't believe he's taking it so seriously one of the underlying philosophical points of the show was the abhorrence of firearms it seemed incredible that someone who who is consistently getting into dangerous scrapes scrapes with villainous thugs and evil paramilitary monsters hasn't sense enough to know he needs an effective defence mechanism oh you are kidding me Hang on, hang on. This, is a, this is a guy who's um, using the example of MacGyver to defend his policy on guns. Right, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> substituting natural and chemical poisons, electrocution, fire and explosions for the neat and simple use of firearms. <laughs> <laughs> and some restraining devices. <laughs> Wouldn't like to go into your basement. Um, seems like an insane and destructive mentality at work, as like opposed to shooting people. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is positively constructive. <laughs> the, property, the property damage, general mayhem, and other environmentally negative results, like as opposed to shooting people <laughs> of, of MacGyver's clever expediences were an easily avoidable catastrophe <laughs> buy a, a pistol and rifle and learn how to use them before you take the opportunity <laughs> to remark on the dangers of public ownership of firearms take, t- take note that the highest murder rates in the world are in reasons tightly controlled by police state or tribal factions who have disarmed the general populace also take note I... the streets of the UK are becoming ever more ruled by thugs and gangs who appreciate their general omnipotence among a disarmed and generally helpless pop- helpless populace I... this is a guy oh. in Cincinnati and therefore has deep and meaningful <laughs> okay. uh, experience of the 
the streets of the UK. Yeah. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> lastly, God. lastly, safety does not necessarily necessarily connotate freedom of prosperity. Absolute safety comes at great and intrusive cost, as the people of the UK are discovering the state eventually transforms itself into a criminal enterprise <laughs> and makes an alliance in corruption with organised crime. You've given up your arms, are losing your personal freedoms and national sovereignty, and general public safety is not increasing but in decline. Just a note to cheer you all up. From Will at Cin- Will Cincinnati. I, I I now feel a great deal cheered up. Yes, and and if we need someone to defend us from the police state that is UK, we need someone to come in all guns blazing rather than using a magnifying glass. Will will call you. <laughs> I was going to make several statements on this, <laughs> but I don't think I will actually. But no, I, don't, I don't think you need to. No, it's not necessarily a, a Mr. Cincinnati, but wow. I I mean to be honest with you, it, it ought to be reasonably clear that this is a room full of four English liberals. To be um, honest, so the gun control thing is is another argument, but taking MacGyver this seriously I, bespeaks a serious mental problem, in my opinion. <laughs> the thing is, right? In five years of Log Radio, I've never been shell shocked, not once. Oh, and that email, I was just sat, my mouth. Just, wow! What? It's like you've, what? Left, you've left us lost for words. <laughs> We're pretty well. One, impressed, and two, pretty fucking scared as well. <laughs> so I think we should move on now. I think we should, yeah. Yeah, uh. we, 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 sh- we should move on to an email from uh, Henrique, or possibly Enrique Rodriguez, but I suppose it's Henrique. Enrique Rodriguez, uh, who says, uh, he, he's written in because we talked about Dragon Force, who was some kind of metal band, right? Uh-huh. Tell from the tone of my voice how interested I am in this email. <laughs> but John, I suspect, will care. He says, uh, Dragon Force was a breath of fresh air in the power metal scene, just like Sonata, Arctica, and Lost Horizon were a few years back. They took the power metal sound to the extreme, pushing the technical axe trashing even <laughs> further. They also didn't take themselves too seriously, which adds a bit of fun to all the cliches they represent. <laughs> I made the decision to travel 50 kilometers at 11 p.m. to drive to buy their second album after listening to only 30 seconds of the first song. That's what I call being a complete lunatic. Oh no, sorry, that's what I call being impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Best regards, Enrique Rodriguez. Uh, uh, oh. I, I, I'd like to hand you over to our metal correspondent <laughs> with some comments on that, Jonathan Bacon. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how oh, a, a, a couple of people, uh, I forget whether it was the forums or in email, have been telling us how we're really on form in the last couple of shows and how we were really delivering some serious con- considered content. And all of the emails this week that we're reading out are nothing to do with Linux at all. <laughs> the thing is, um, in a word, that's, that is nonsense. Uh, uh, Dragon Force, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of power metal. I love power metal. I like bands like Manowar and Hammerfall and things like that. Um, I'm in the brotherhood of pure, true metal. Um, but Dragon Force, a shit. <laughs> okay, I hate to break this to you. You raise Sonata, Ar- Sonata Arctica, which are not too bad, right? Lost Horizon are really good. But Dragon Force, a shit. What was the name of that band we saw on... We were uh, sitting there the other day, and John was playing Last FM stream, and it picked a band, and we went and looked up their website. Didn't it was tagged 
False Metal in, in Last FM. Yes. No, the, yeah, the album name was called False Metal. So someone, someone got into Last FM edited it or something. Right? And we went to look at the website and I assumed it was a big piss take because their album was called False Metal. But it turns out their album's not called False Metal at all. Someone else has changed that form. And... They're completely serious. It was. What on, were they called? I can't remember. They were. They, it was. They were. It was hysterical. Outrageously tacky. I mean, they had like the video with you know the guy stood there looking straight into the camera and his ha- a wind machine blowing his hair back <laughs> and a, a drum kit with four bass drums and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> it was just. It, I mean, I like some pretty cheesy music, right? But it was. It was. It was. Um, Shocking. <laughs> I'd just like to clarify, right, just in case anyone from Dragon Force is listening. Because <laughs> that happens a lot. Um, because, you know, uh, it, it, yeah, it is unlikely. But I, I, they're not my style of music. I'm not particularly into them. I'm very happy for them and their success. But I just think they're a big bag of cliches. Um, I, I want to point out, when, you know, we give a beat into, say, the iPod Linux project, there's no little caveat there that goes, if anyone from iPod Linux is listening, by the way, we really respect your project, right? <laughs> None <Yeah>. of that. <laughs> Although, in defense of Dragon Force, I saw them play in Manchester, and they had, like, the intro tape before they came on stage, and it was actually very funny. So, they're confusing, because they was are... Was it big, the Rocky music? Yeah. <laughs> they are a big bag of cliches, but also... They, you know, they don't take themselves too seriously in some ways, but then they clearly love the cliches and take themselves too seriously. So I just don't know. I so, don't think about it. So you appear to be surreptitiously a power metal fan here, man. <laughs> oh, I love power metal. Oh my god, I really love power metal. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hate to stop you in your tracks, but uh, while we're doing the email segment, do we actually have anything for the the Linux segment? Of the <laughs> we actually do. We've had an email from our friend and yours, Bradley M. Uh, Coon, Coon. Um, uh, and. Uh, his subject line is feedback on a long ago show as it relates to software freedom history, um, a subject that we're all big fans of. Um, I apologize that my feedback is so late, but I listen to so many podcasts that I constantly am about three months behind. And even when I make an effort to catch up, it only keeps me a steady three months behind. Uh, a few months ago, I believe it was on If You're Not Into Metal <laughs> episode <laughs> on the 25th of March, Jono mentioned how Lug Radio brought the phrase, why do, you hate f- why do You Hate Freedom? and its variations into the Floss World Lexicon. It's interesting that you all, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that word, that phrase. Promulgated. Promulgated. Uh, you probably don't know that it was, that in fact, an internal phrase used at the Free Software Foundation any time someone agreed with anyone else, including on mundane topics such as where to go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that practice goes back to early 2001 or so. In fact, when I was executive director of FSF, whenever an employee didn't get something done, I would ask, I would ask them why they hated freedom. <laughs> and we'd all have a good laugh, and they'd tell me, justifiably, to fuck off. <laughs> Although they used nicer terminology most of the time. I'd like to point out at this point, it's nice to see someone from the FSF has got a sense of humour. He's not with the FSF anymore. No, <laughs> That's why. Two humours. Um, yeah, yeah. They, you like when you leave prison, they give you your personal effects. <laughs> you stuff yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sense of humour. Mean, mean to the FSF. Well, yeah. Uh, but they're pretty mean to us. Um, uh, I'm only kidding. They're very nice to us. Um, I've lost my place in the email. Um... Uh, I've carried the usage over to the Software Freedom Law Centre as well, and it's been an opportunity for constant amusement around here, just as, just as was the FSF. Indeed, I understand from my colleagues still at the FSF that it remains a humorous catchphrase there too, even after eight years of probably constant usage. Uh, I'm not sure if the Floss World catchphrases... Uh, I'm not sure if Floss World catchphrases are first to invent or first to publish regime, but I'll grant you 
the first publication credit if you grant FSF the invention credit. <laughs> that seems fair. <laughs> I, share, I share this with you in the hopes to remind you that uh, the FSF still oh. has and always had a sense of humour. I didn't know he said that in the email. Like, it's since we've just slagged them for precisely not having a sense of humour. Yeah. Uh, so don't be too hard on freedom-obsessed freedom obsessed underdogs. Uh, you might want to email me back if you read this uh, on the air so I can be sure to move the particular show to the head of the queue. <laughs> Otherwise, I won't hear your response for three months. I'm oh, also God. Ha- Does that mean he's going to listen and go, oh, blimey, I must go to Lug Radio Live because it's the last show ever, and then it'll have been two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also happy to phone in and tell you this verbally, uh, but I think your voices reading emails sound better than my own anyway. Thanks a lot, Bradley. We no, always love your emails. That was really Bradley. nice, actually. And you're, you're a good man. He is, actually. He's a good guy. Uh, Christoph, I believe well, you're going to well, tell us about a rather exciting Linux event. <laughs> I was going to tell you about Lug Radio Live. That Does as that well. Count? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was talking about Linux Action Show like Radio Live. <laughs> well, <laughs> Do you think they're celebrating? I don't know. They're are, they're now living in their ivory towers with, uh, with oh, all their they money. Are. And, uh, <laughs> Jupiter Broadcasting or something. Do you think they're celebrating? What, that we're stopping? Yeah. Nah, they're good lads. Were they second? <laughs> Doesn't really matter. So far down there. Just, Ooh, can't see beneath the clouds. Okay, let's not right. take I'm only kidding. We love the Linux. It's, it's show, guys. But are they are they coming to LRL? No, no. We've got um, Dirk Schnurkelberger from the um, <laughs> from uh, not called Dirk Schnurkelberger <laughs> from Linux Outlaws. Well, that was kind of you, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, Fabian, yes. his name is Fabian Schnitzel. Schnitzel. Yes. Schnitzel. <laughs> not bloody Schnitzel. Is the guy Dan? Is I'm going to look this up now. Yeah. Dan yeah, um, the, 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 the Linux Outlaws people are. Yeah, the Linux, like, yeah. I don't think the Linux cold. Action Show guys, I don't think Chris and Brian can make it over this time. Yeah, no, and it's quite a long way for them in their defense. It is. Yeah. There are other people sitting in America right now saying, it's a long way for us too, and we're coming. In fact, we should, <laughs> we, we should give a shout out to the Linux Action Show. We should, guys. though, actually. And the Linux Outlaw, Outlaws guys, because, you know, there's going to be uh, a vacant slot <laughs> <laughs> at the top of the Linux podcasting pile. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly harsh, but yeah, no, um, mm. I I think they're doing actually a pretty good job. Do you think we need to do not like with the U.S. government? We need to have like a nom- we need to make a nomination, and that kind of determines who the winner is. Oh, right. So we sort of throw our support behind oh. one of them. Who? Who's it going to be? Which would be Peck. Oh, do we not have to like consult every state first? No, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're we're super delegates. Hashtag uh, right. Hash right. radio guys can get well pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's because they haven't released a show for about six months. Well, I guess they're not going to be able to release any more shows, are they? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, this is, this is a good chance to strike out on their own. It is. It is, actually. It is. Um, who are you going to you give your nominee to? Nomination to? Oh. I, I think I'm going to go with the Linux Action Show. Because I like the Linux Outlaws guys, but the Linux Action Show guys... I like the Linux, I like the Linux Action Show. I listen to it quite a lot, actually. And then I had a bit of a dip, and then I started listening to it again recently. But I actually no, I take it back. I, I take th- it back. I take think it back. I, I think I go for Linux Outlaws because Brian and Chris are kind of diversifying now. They 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 they're doing a, a oh, not my mic sorry, and they're doing a, a podcast about beer for which I respect them absolutely, <laughs> and they and they're doing a few other things as well. But um, I I can't help but think that I, I'm worried Linux Action Show is going to get a bit worse just because they're going to have less time to devote to it. I mean, they, they changed their recording schedule because they were having difficulty finding the time, so that may be the case. But as I was going to say, I, I started listening to the Linux Action Show again recently, but I'm still going to 
give my vote to Linux Outlaws because I listen to about two or three shows now. I actually really like it. They've got a really nice kind of relaxed. Mm. They, they have kind of yeah. chilled out vibe. I'd like to make fine. a separate nomination. Now, hang on. So we've got one vote uh, for Linux Outlaws. No, I know. No, I'm changing my thing. Oh, you're changing yours. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's Linux Outlaws then. No, even yeah. without hearing Chris's vote. No, there's a third contender. BSD talk. I'd like to put my vote for the Ubuntu UK podcast that oh, Alan yeah. Pope, Tony Whitmore, and Davy Walker's doing. I think some okay. other guys in there as well. Okay, um, they do an excellent job with that. And it's not just because it's Ubuntu; I just think they do a good show. I'm being put on the spot here to make a decision about a podcast, and I have to admit that I don't actually listen to any of them. Network Block really? Monthly. BSD. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to BSD Talk from time to time, and most of the time I don't really. I'm afraid. Oh. I'm sure they're all fantastically excellent, and maybe I should listen to How them. very BBC of you. Yes, absolutely. Or How very from, click online of you. Yeah, we, are, we, are, we are all winners. <laughs> yeah, we're all friends together. We're all yeah, equally no. losing. I mean, it, it is interesting. There's, there's so many of these things around. I mean, you've got uh, the Linux Link yeah. Tech Show guys. Somebody um, asked the question on the, got, on the forums about, you know, which are the podcasts that people listen to, and the people came up with lists of, like, you know, 10, oh, yeah, 15 yeah. kind of different... Actually, I just looked at it up on, the, on their website. It is Fabian Scherchel and Dan Lynch for uh, Linux Outlaws. Fabian is actually on that thread. Ah, oh, right, yes. Yeah, and yeah. He's and on didn't recommend his own podcast. He, he's been no, he really active on the LRL forums. Yeah, and yeah, is there, are they both coming to LRL? I know Fabian's definitely coming. Isn't Dan in America somewhere? No, Dan is in Liverpool. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He Fab- better be coming then. Fabian's in Germany or something. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I, I'm sure he's coming, so I, I assume Dan yeah, works he works for hubcaps.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> and they will be exhibiting at Love Radio Live in... <sighs> they were going to be exhibiting at They are. They're exhibiting at Love Radio Live in the UK. Which yeah, I believe what are they selling? Shell suits. I believe that. <laughs> Should we just do this bit on our own? I, I think we... Yeah, Speaking of LRL UK, Christoph, we- over to you. Not sure what else there is to say. Yeah, look where you're live in the UK, 19th, 20th of July, Lighthouse in Wolverhampton. Uh, many fine and interesting speakers speaking. Yes, uh, including Jeremy Allison now. Yes. Yeah, a late addition to the schedule. Um, I also, sort of... also say um, if you're a speaker and uh, you've received my email saying, is this time good enough for you and you haven't replied to it yet, reply to it, please, so I can get the programmes printed. Otherwise, we're going to be sending programmes out in the post, a week after the event. <laughs> so, um, we've got about two or three slots left in the exhibition, so if you don't, would like to, you're thinking about exhibiting and you're not really sure and you haven't made a decision within the next week or two, you're probably going to be a little bit too late, so let me know. And of course, let's not forget, it's going to be the very, very last recording yeah, of Luck Radio ever. So, so well, not necessarily ever, but really certainly... It's going to be the last normal Lug Radio show yeah. that we're yeah. ever going to do. So, so. yeah, we'll be talking a bit, and then we'll drink lots of beer and have a bit. We're going to have it. a real bash that night. It is going to be yeah, a bit of a bash. The Saturday um, night is going to be great. But yes, come to Lug Radio. To, to, if you want to know who's speaking and stuff, you go to www.lugradio.org slash live slash UK 2008. Yeah, but just go to lugradio.org slash live. Live and click on the UK and one. Follow yeah. the UK link. And if you yes. need to drop us an email, either about the exhibition, about the show, or about the event, that's show at lugradio.org. Yep, and yep. of course, go to the forums at forums.lugradio.org as well. Yes, okay. So, um, RC channels, hash Lug Radio. We've, we've actually got a few people who are putting together some cool things to do at Lug Radio Live, which yep. is rather nice. So, if you want to um, get together with some people and do something cool, yes. let us know, and you know, we'll find you some space for it or something. Yeah. Um, speaking of cool things, 
Um, I think we need to give a T-shirt out. We do, oh, yeah, actually. Yes, I'm inclined to give it to the guy who did the 18 pitcher on the Jezra, because we're all highly, highly amused <laughs> by that. Yes. Yep. So, uh, Jezra, do send an email to shirtlagrady.org with your name and address, your full name, you know, your full address, and your T-shirt size. Have we got? Many sizes? Um, <laughs> we've mostly just got large left, I think. But uh, send us the size, and, you know, if we don't have it, then I'll send you something else at random. From what I remember <laughs> meeting him, he'd probably fit into a larger right. I, I think, yeah. So. I think Jeff was also the guy who sent in the entry into the competition that I can't I, remember the name of. Pimp My Log Radio. Pimp My Log Radio, Radio, where it showed a picture of Chris. I, I think we should just gloss over this, right? <laughs> anyway, that's the end of the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the picture of Chris surrounded by... I'm loads glossing of pic- over this story. <laughs> loads of pictures of intestines. Well, no, I about, sorry, gloss. Is that not the word I was using there? Gloss. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I, thought, I thought you said you'd lost something. <laughs> lost the will to live, that's for when, when, when people complain, we all talk over one another, that, that bit there, right? That's yeah, what they were talking that about. Was, that was... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I so, guess people won't be talking about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, um, we have one more ordinary show to do, yeah. and then Lug Radio Live, and then that's it. So if you want to send ever. us an email and get us to read it out, now's your last chance. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a bit of a bumper email thing on the next one because this be. could be the last emails segment for the next yeah. one. Last email, segment. last time to get your email read out on Lug Radio. So yep, send them all in, and we'll see it. you in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.